Hello and welcome to the Wheelie Good Times podcast. This is episode three. I'm Tom. And I'm Kong. And welcome to another episode of Wheelie Good Times. Wheelie Good Times. Wheelie Good Times. One thing I do have to clear up, and this yep. is very important that I clear up. Okay, yep. Kevin James was not in Wild Hogs. Kevin James was not in Wild Hogs. <laughs> no, he was not. I googled it after we did the podcast and he was definitely not in Wild Hogs. I think I also said, I also said, uh, Kevin David Spade, Spade. Kevin, oh, Kevin Spade, Spade was in, but he was not in Wild Hogs. It was a different small blonde dude who is called. I think the, I think the small blonde dude William, thinking of William is, H. Macy is David Spade. I think you're thinking of David Spade. Yeah. What did I say? You said Kevin Spade. Oh yeah. David Spade <laughs> from, uh, from what's that show he does with, with Buzz Lightyear. No idea. Mm. Anyway, I think we can clear up. We do not know much about actors or about did movies. I, did I say Ice Cube was in it as well? Mm, potentially. I don't know. You're probably wrong Martin on that Lawrence. one as well. I got that. I got this so wrong. I got this film so, so, so wrong. Well, I got the name wrong to begin with. I said Wild Hogs. Oh, I said Mad Hogs and it was Wild Hogs. Mad Hogs, Wild Hogs. Um, oh, anyway. So... The only motorbike movie that is out there, and we disrespected it completely. No, we picked another one that we also disrespected as well. I talk. Mm. So I, I actually Still made it a, a bit of a, a bit of a task to try and find some motorcycling movies this week. Oh, go ahead. Well, I found on Amazon Prime you've got a category for motorbiking, so I watched something called The Unridables. Never heard of it. Carry on. It's quite interesting. So it wasn't really a movie. It was more of like a one-hour documentary, which was actually only 45 minutes. You can watch it on ITV, and it's an hour with adverts. Or if you've got Amazon Prime, you can watch it in 45 minutes. And it was actually quite good. It was about 500cc two-stroke MotoGP bikes and them riding the 500cc bikes back in the day. It was quite good, quite interesting. Um, Some people love Again, way before my though. time. They were pretty, I mean, as the the clues in the title, they, they were pretty savage bikes to ride. Yeah, I um, I, I don't know the difference between a four-stroke and a two-stroke, um, so I don't really know uh, why they're better. However, some people I've run into along the way of my life rave about them so much. About two-strokes? Yeah, about two-strokes. I know a guy well, who, maybe we could. the only thing on. he wanted in life was a two-stroke. A Prillia, I think. Prillia, RS125, RS two-stroke, yeah. Man's got good taste. Well, the the, the newer ones are four-stroke, aren't they? But um, the older yeah. model that they did were a was a two-stroke, yeah. So bit of a you, bit of a legendary beast. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'll tell you what we'll do. We will do an episode on two-strokes. Two-stroke v four-stroke. We'll do a little. We'll do a little two-stroke v four-stroke, and then I think we'll do a little two-stroke. Some two-stroke shout-out show. You know what? Maybe next week I'll make my bike of the week a two-stroke. Oh, sounds fun. The bike shout-out of the week could be a two-stroke this week. I'm not sure. I didn't do that I much I don't recently. think it is. Oh, it might be. Oh, if you don't know, then you don't know. Do you know what my bike of the week is? I don't know. Uh, yeah, you did. You looked at my notes. I haven't looked at your notes. Anyway. I saw you made a folder, but I didn't go in there and look at them. Let's clear another thing up. I was wrong about... Counter steering. I challenge. I tell you what. You. Hang on, hang on. I was going to ask you something, so don't jump ahead. Okay. Basically, what have you been up to on the bike this week, Kong? 
That was my question. Oh, right. Well. I'm guessing you've I been tested. trying out the counter-steering you learned about last I week. tested the counter-steering. It blew my mind. Uh, one thing I will say is that I will concede that I do do counter-steering even when I'm not doing it, even when I'm not thinking about doing it. However, the way I do it is completely different to what I am doing. So when I go to lean into the corner, if I'm not thinking about it, I mean, technically I am thinking about it, but if I'm not actively doing it, I do feel myself putting pressure on the bars in in the counter-steering method. However, when I actively attempt to counter-steer, it gives a whole different sensation. And it blew my mind at first. I flicked the bars the other way. I probably did it a bit too much, but I flicked the bars the other way and it just, it was like someone was pulling me to the opposite direction of where I was, where I was steering. It was insane. Blew my mind. Just incredible, right? Yeah. When you know, think... when you know what's, what you got to do, it just it makes steering a motorcycle way better, way more fun. Yeah, I think there is something definitely to be said about the handlebars and mm. how manipulation of the handlebars can definitely improve your riding. I was having so much fun. Yeah, I felt like I was, I was learning to ride a completely different bike. It's bizarre, isn't it? It is really bizarre, but I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, I think you gave a good explanation last week. Thanks. I think as well, when I think of counter-steering, because you, 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 you're kind of fresh into the learning of counter-steering, you used to think as of the counter part of it, of like you turn the bars the other way to the way you want to go. But in my head, just because I'm doing it so long, I just think push left and go left. So I just think left. Does does that make sense? Yeah. So I don't think about, oh, I'm actually turning the bars the other way to make the bike fall over on the other side because it's counteracting forces. I just think, or maybe it's just because I'm stupid and I like to keep it really simple. But left to go left and right to go right. Yeah, Easy. what I will say is that I felt like it was more, I was just applying a little bit of resistance pressure when I wasn't thinking about actively doing counter steering it was more like resistance pressure on the handlebars however when i was trying to i was actively pushing against the bar that would then mm. flick me it's almost like a flick it's like it's like a pulling yeah. motion it's like someone's literally pulling you the opposite way oh did you uh i don't think we mentioned it in the last episode but i got you to watch keith code twist of the wrist just a section on counter steering yeah did we mentioned that um, I think we did mention that. Oh, okay. Well, if you didn't, if we didn't mention it, I'm mentioning it now. Go and watch, just go into YouTube and just type Keith Code Twist of the Wrist or just Keith Code Counter Steering and there'll be some videos there about Keith Code and showing it. He's basically a motorcycle teacher. Does lots of track stuff, but it's very, very useful for the road. And it is real cheesy to watch, isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit cringy watching the acting in it. But the actual, the facts, the substance is brilliant and it really shows you in a nice easy way of like what actually what method of input onto a motorbike does what and just yeah. the proof that counter steering is king it is king um what have you been up to on your bike this week so this week has not been terribly exciting just a bit of commuting standard commute it's warming up a little bit getting the bike cranked over a little bit more which is quite nice uh general clean and lube of chain and adjustment nothing too exciting but a friend of mine did get a yamaha r6 a 1998 
Yamaha R6. Which sounds very nice until you hear what he bought, what he had before he bought that bike. What he swapped out for. He had an SV650. Why would you do that, man? Anyway, anyway, I'm not here to judge on on bike choice, but he did let me have a go. Had a cheeky little raz on it. And uh, it's quite nice. It is quite a nice little bike. Uh, so fun. the age difference is what about ten years between your two models? What year's mm, your SP? Yeah, it was a ninety-eight, and mine's an 05, so it's not. Too oh, so far about away. seven years. Do you feel yeah, any any technological advancements had been improved? Mm, I mean, I wouldn't say so. Apart from I had a half digital dash, but at the end of the day, the SV is built to a budget, whereas an R six is like it's meant to go racing. At, at a time when it came out, it was cutting edge stuff you know it would have been really good yeah see i only have a comparison of say a 2020 bike and a 2014 bike i think it was a yamaha ys 125 i think i haven't been mm. you know on a on a very old rem- bike yeah you have to remember as well as that like a lot of budgeter or cheaper bikes will just have technology that's been around for years. Yeah, yeah. Because it's been around for so long, it's just really cheap to make. So on an SV, it all works works pretty well. Um, but there's nothing particularly new and exciting. There's no amazing technology on it. On an R6, yeah. I presume there would have been some, when it came out, it'd be like, wow, check this out. But, you know, it's got 30, 40 horsepower on top of an SV. So, I mean, it's a bit more peakier, but you know, it revs really nice and you just keep it, keep it spinning, keep the engine spinning up high. And it was, it handled like an absolute, it was a bit of a beast. I mean, I only had a five minute go on one section of road. So it wasn't like get to know it, but really confidence inspiring, just throw it around the bends. Super, super fun. And actually it makes me wonder why 600s aren't more popular. Maybe it's because the thousands are really way better, but I could live with a 600. Uh, but you won't see me swapping well, my SV. You do because I really yeah, like my SV. Over the six fifty, but yeah. um, there is one yeah, thing I like that. that I don't think we have told the people yet. Um, oh, hang on! I need to you're... finish off on the R six thing. Okay, Karen. Because I don't want people to think that I'm going out riding bikes and meeting up with people when I shouldn't be. Yeah, we okay. work at the same building, and we were at work, and before we left work, we sort of go the similar sort of way. So we just kind of swap bikes, had a quick go, and then swap back before going off on our you know, continuing our journey home. So just before anyone wants to say that, did no rule breaking. Good. One thing we haven't told the people yet is that you actually live with two bikes. Your partner has a bike, a Honda CBR 600? 500R, mate. 500R, uh, somewhere close, somewhere along those lines. And do you ride that this week? Sorry, I had a cat shouting at me. Uh, I have not ridden that this week, no. Okay. Well, oh, actually, no, I did. Yeah, I did. That's bloody pointless, then, wasn't it? Well, I did ride it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I did. I took it. To, I took it to work one or two days. That was quite good fun, actually. I really enjoy that bike. It's small. It's light. It's agile. You can throw it around quite nicely. You know what is also drink small, small, light, and agile, and doesn't drink any fuel whatsoever. Your PP. No, the new concept bike from Shed Rides. Oh, Shed Rides, what's that? Nice little segue into the news there. Uh, so the Shed Rides, uh, they're a new company, I think in Yorkshire, Lancashire way. Um, I think they've only made about 10 of these. 
at the moment. Um, they're trying to get some crowdfunding, I believe. Uh, they manufacture highly moddable electric motorcycles and they call themselves Shed Rides to pay homage to all the bikers out there who do work on their on their bikes at home, in sheds, home workshops, etc. I had to read that off the website, so that's why I paused. Oh, I do you know what I thought? Reading. Wow, he's done really well to remember all that. No, I, I had to read it off the website because I didn't want to get it wrong. Um, okay. But, yeah, so the... West high- Yorkshire, it's actually based in West Yorkshire. I'm from okay. Yorkshire, I don't know if you know that. I actually was born in Yorkshire. Yeah, you were. These are my people building things in shed like they should be. Yeah, well, they're highly moddable. Yeah, I did have a look. So it's quite an interesting design. So it's basically a modular a modular system. So you get that center frame section with the batteries and the motor and the control governing bits. And So that's that's what you get, or do you get the entire bike? Um, I believe you buy them as parts. I'm under that impression. There is oh, so you actually, build your own thing? I believe so. Or... Oh. So you can buy that entire thing. That they build. The thing is, there's only been oh, 10 okay. of them made um, and they haven't actually kind of released anything yet. So there isn't the groundwork for us to say what you get or whatever. But they did bring out, yeah, they did bring out concept, uh, concepts. They brought out concepts for different possibilities. I'm just going to list some off right here. A refrigerated medical supplier carrier. Carry blood and organs from one hospital to the next. In your electric, well, how far are highly moddable... Motorbikes. I don't know. But how far is a hospital? Hopefully within probably up the, the thirty mile range. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say you've got you, your hospital can't be that far away from you. Maybe London. Maybe like a city. You know, got a lot of a lot of like medical places in a very tight place. You know, very concentrated area. That looks perfect. And actually, to give people an idea, if you if you haven't looked one up, it literally is sort of like a box frame. It's a couple of weird shapes to make a frame. And all the electrical bits sit in that, and then it's got quite tall-looking supermoto-ish kind of suspension. Yeah, with really small wheels. How, what are they? They look like Grom-sized wheels. How big are they? Um, I didn't actually look at that spec, so you're putting me on the spot there. Oh, right. I think they look a bit but, smaller. That's right, but it uses pit, it uses pit bike stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So all the bits that you can bolt onto it are like pit bike style. So it's really. And pit bikes are really modifiable, so I presume you can just do whatever you want, pretty much. One thing I would say is that it'd be interesting to see how they're powering this refrigerated medical supply unit, because if it's coming from the battery that powers the bike, that decreases mileage significantly, I reckon. Yeah. Oh, totally. A remote satellite comms electric motorbike. It basically can fit a satellite dish to the back of it. A festival speaker rig. They've put a boombox on the back of a bike. These are all draw-ups. These are all mock-ups of concepts that they had. Uh, a fishing rig. You can get your fishing tackle on the back, cast some fishing rods off of it, hold your net, hold your bait, other things that, you use uh, for fishing. That festival speaker rig, that's like taking the concept of a motorbike can be quite noisy, making it electric so it's really quiet, and then adding all the noise back in. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Just making it a different type of noise. Is that a Harley? No, it's a highly moddable electric motorcycle from Shed Rides. Yeah, but it's playing sick drum and bass, man. Exactly. It's yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting. The possibilities that you can do. Endless. Oh, one Pretty thing. Much. I am. Hang on, this I cat am. is really shouting at me. Give me two seconds. 
No worries. And this is some hold music. Do 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 I don't I really don't know what he was doing, but he was just shouting at the back door. He really wanted to well, I know what he wanted. He wanted to go out. Over anyway. Continue your point. I'll cut that bit out. Thanks. So I was kind of poking fun at all of these concepts that they had drawn up and put in nicely detailed blueprints. However, it is quite cool. Uh, It's nice to see someone with some vision or some people. I don't know how many people are working on this, uh, but people with some vision, you know, that they're getting concepts out there. I do think it's just a bit of a random selection. You go from refrigerated medical supplier to satellite comms to fishing to festival speaker. It is quite broad. Mm. But I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? If you're not if you're not limited, you can kind of do anything, which is quite yeah. nice. Uh, I quite like how I think the whole idea was to display how much you could use it for. You could use it for anything you really wanted. I think that was their concept. But it'd be good to to see where they are in a few years' time and see what stuff they've come up with. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. What have you heard about? What have I heard about? Well, I just sort of wanted to follow up from when we spoke about, remember that Harley Davidson adventure bike we spoke about last couple of weeks? Two, episode the one. The Pan America. The Pan America, yeah. So they've only gone and released another bike off the back of it. So basically the idea with the Pan America is we've got this engine in it as a stressed member, i.e. there's the engine that acts as part of the frame. A stressed member. A stressed member. <laughs> and not that kind of stressed member. Uh, and basically they could, they could, they've got a level of modularity so they can use this this engine and frame combo to build loads of different models off of it. If you look at kind of what Triumph do, they don't just have one model that uses the same kind of architecture. They have multiple different bikes off of that platform cars do it in the car world it's massively popular there's loads of cars built off the same platform so harley davidson just trying to cash in here so we've got the pan america uh, and they've got something completely opposite so it's called the 1250 custom it's long it's low it's bad ass and it looks it looks so cool yeah it does look a bit of a beast of a bike it looks very aggressive so i mean if it if it runs i don't know if they'll keep the same tune in the engine because they might tweak it slightly but it's 150 horsepower and 94 pound foot of torque it's quite juicy quite a juicy wedge of power there but i suppose in a harley like cruisery type bike it's all about torque so i don't know if they'll change the tune for more torque what do you think uh well considering nothing about torque um i have no idea you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about, mate. But um, what I will say is that it'll be interesting to see all of the spec. Some spec I am familiar with. It'll be pretty interesting to see um, what they come up with. I don't think it'll be anything like the Pan America. I think they'll probably do very fine tuning, completely the opposite end, because they're too different bikes built for two different purposes you've got one 
that's trying to fit in with their cruiser style range, which I don't understand because they've already got very similar looking bikes to this. So yeah, I think I think you're right. I think. Um, so you reckon they'll go completely different? Yeah, I just. But I also think that they, it's just a bit weird how they've already got loads of bikes that kind of look and feel like this bike. I don't know why they're trying Do to they? bring out another one. They they've got some hefty bikes. So this one will weigh, apparently, closer to 200 kilos and 300. So it should be That's... lighter than normal and obviously have way more power and have suspension and brakes, which are going to be better than you'd normally get. Or just at least have brand names that are you know, a bit tastier. It's got a nice high-up exhaust. It obviously doesn't have that... <sighs> I don't think it has the same style. You know, it's got like a radiator on the front. It's got, it doesn't have like an air-cooled looking engine. It looks very water-cooled. It looks very modern. The swing arm is an like. interesting design. And actually it's got that, got quite a cool tail. I don't know if you saw the pictures. Uh, I did see the pictures. It's got like this um, short stubby the, tail, but obviously has that wraparound tail unit at the end. Yeah. Keeping it legal. I think it's nice. Yeah, I think it looks really Fucked nice. I with think, a pure hitch. I think... It looks a bit Indian-like, to be honest. Like an Indian scan. Like a Royal Enfield. Oh. oh, no, no, no. Not that Indian. <laughs> Different Indian. Indian oh. motorcycles, not like Indian. An Indian country. scout. Yeah, a bit yeah, like I an Indian that. scout. But, um, yeah, I think the one thing it does have different is it is definitely shorter and stockier than other bikes that Harley have. Their other bikes are a lot more, their cruiser bikes are a lot more um, designed almost quite high up for a cruiser. That sounds a bit weird, but it's only because this one seems quite low down. Everything's got chunked together, whereas the handlebars are obviously a bit more raised. Uh, this one they aren't. The headlight unit is completely different to the other Harleys. I think the closest one it looks like is the Softail Slim of a Harley, but even then they look quite different. So, hmm. yeah, I think it's quite interesting. Uh, they did announce this back in like 2014, didn't they? I read something about that. Yeah, there's like a, there is a there's like a prototype thing that they revealed, and it was like white with little gold accents and stuff, and that was their. Um, I think that was like a concept model that they did. Yeah, it's almost They're as like, if Harley hey, had this said, "This is what we're gonna make." It's almost as Harley had said, "Oh, we're gonna bring out a new adventure bike." Oh fuck, we've got to stay true to our roots. Quick, let's bring out something else. <laughs> let, let's bring out a hardcore cruiser. We've not gone soft, I promise. To all their hardcore yeah. fans, but no, I think it looks nice. I think it looks pretty cool. It looks aggressive. It looks mean. Good, do good on what, them. Do you know what else looks aggressive and mean? Um. The 2021 Lexmoto LXR125. One thing I will say about that, Harley, because I forgot to say it. One of the quotes in the article, which I thought was pretty interesting, was, this is the start, said Joshan Scheltz, CEO of Harley. We have great plans to expand on the Pan America. Lots of innovation waiting. This is just a launch into a whole new dimension. There's going to be more. I reckon there'll be an entire range of bikes, all based off of this. Well, I hope so, because it gives us lots more content to talk about on the Wheelie Good Times podcast.
Lots of innovation waiting. This is just a launch into a whole new dimension. We're going to see Harley sports bikes now. Fully fed. Maximum leans. Tell you what, 150 horsepower. Epic. 150 horsepower V-twin reminds me of a sports bike, actually. An orange sports bike. Powered orange also sports by bike V-twin. It would be the KTM RC8, which, let me get the figures up for you, was approximately 200 kilos, made 152 horsepower, 88.5 foot-pound of torque. Interesting. So actually, you've got specs which aren't massively far off what that Pan America engine makes. And the RC8 was very good. I think it was very good anyway. And 150 horsepower is like, I think that's sweet spot. Sports bike, like 200 horsepower is nuts. 150, that's sweet. 150, nice suite of electronics on it. Harley, get it done. This will be, I would. I think I'd buy that. We shall see. It'll definitely come with a hefty price tag if it's a Harley sports bike. Yeah, but see, you say that, and the Harley's adventure bike, I don't think was that hefty of a price tag. So no, but yeah, it's anyone's guess. Anyone's guess. Anyway, um, yeah, so I think I think we'll see everything. I think we'll see Harley supermotos, sports bikes, Harley scramblers, all sorts. Anyway, bringing us back to the world of sports bikes. There's a new sports bike on the market. <laughs> well, it's not new. It's talking, talking about price tags, this one is dirt cheap. Tell us why it's dirt cheap, Tom. Because it costs less than your Grom. It actually costs the How same much? amount as my Grom. Did it? Did it actually? What is it, about 2700 It's two seven nine nine ninety nine. Oh, so, so it's okay, okay. £99 we're, pounds we're... more expensive than my Grom. Oh, my days. And that's only because okay, but, my drum had 27 miles on it before being so a we are, show bike. We are, we are talking about the Alex Moto LXR125. So apparently this is, I don't really pay too much attention to the 125 market, I suppose, because I don't have to ride a 125 anymore. So I don't really look at bikes that small, but it is an interesting place to be. You've got cool things like the Grom and other such small bikes. You've got loads of little manufacturers Honda, Honda that make... Nice niche things, yeah. The Honda Honda Cub, that's pretty sweet. And Lexmoto, I've heard of Lexmoto before, and they, I have actually seen quite a few of their their LXR one two five sports bikes, and actually they look they look quite cool. They're like a cheaper alternative to something like a, a YZF one two five. And actually, looking at the specs on this latest one, the twenty twenty one model, so it's Euro five compliant, which it has to be to be sold in Europe, but it also has a six speed gearbox. And if you buy the SE model, a TFT screen, adjustable upside-down forks, and a lightweight swinging arm. And it will break in six months. Hang on, you don't know that. That's not true. Motorbikes are the second worst thing to come out of China. First being coronavirus. <laughs> I don't think this is what our podcast is about. <laughs> no, it's not. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. But you can't the... say that because, because actually a lot of things are made in China. And yeah, some stuff is shoddy, but and actually, early Chinese motorbikes were turds. They were just steaming bars of turds. But you know, someone like Lexmoto, they seem to be doing really well for themselves. Make some semi-reasonable bikes. I mean, they at least make something that looks the part. I think it looks quite cool. The thing I will say about Lexmoto, out of all the Chinese bikes, because they've had so much success whether or not their bikes in the past have been that great because they've had so much success in people buying the bikes 
that does then give them more capital to reinvest. So their bikes nowadays may be better because of that success that they've had. However, I keep my ear to the ground. I'm on all the Facebook 125cc groups um, and there's loads of people on there who say uh, pretty much every brand of Chinese motorbike just break, 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 break. Lexmoto being one of those. But it could just be because they're so popular, because they're so cheap. You never know. Mm, you just got to think that people who are buying their first bike, one, two, fives, probably going to be a young person, probably not going to give that much of a sod about looking after it. They're just going to get on and ride it. Not putting in the right maintenance. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, you but I think were looking the price, at my notes. <laughs> no, I wasn't looking at your notes. I haven't touched your notes. If you look, right, I'm getting into the notes. I didn't look at your notes. Yeah, 100% looked at my notes. That was on my notes. I what I also I put in there. Your pissing notes. What, what I also no, put sorry. in there was I was lucky to have you Our guide brains my were made journey. In the same place. I was lucky to have you guide my journey so I keep the Grom somewhat maintained. That was a shout out to you. And it would have been bra. nice to hear it first time on air, but you read the notes. <laughs> So I didn't fucking first. read the notes. I didn't read them. I like that. Our brains were made in the same place. That's a good one. They were. Hence, they probably were, came to the same I didn't. Yeah. I didn't look at your notes. What do you mean they weren't? No, I said they actually were. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Anyway, tell us more about the Lexmoto spec. Okay. Anyway, to tell you more about it. So interestingly, the cheap one is two and a half k, and the SE, which has all the extra little bits, is two seven nine nine ninety nine, which isn't massively. Expensive, not for a, a brand new 125, anyway, that's going to get you on the road. Some things, uh, you probably get a nice little finance package of that as well, I would presume. Also, interestingly enough, uh, so you get the upside down forks on the SE model. Both models get like radially mounted brake calipers, or at least they look radially mounted, which is kind of like nice suit, like sports bike types so, of, you know, like nice brakes are mounted radially. And we can talk about radial versus actual mounted brakes in another episode. But for now, just know that radial tends to be better than an axial mounted brake. It doesn't mean that one's worse. Anyway, that's fine. The thing that, that kind of catches my eye is that it's got two front brake discs. Has yours got two? Your bike? No, mine has one. See, mine has, my SV has two. 650, got a bit more power than a 125. But also the CBR... The Honda CBR 500R, which you mentioned earlier, yes. has only got one front brake disc. Interesting. It's got one front brake disc, and it makes 46 horsepower, 47 horsepower. It does all right. Will do over 100 mile an hour. It has one, and the, that one brake disc is really, I think it's quite strong. It's plenty enough. Stops the bike okay. So why this little 125 needs two is beyond me. So you've heard it here first. Tom does Moto is saying now categorically Lex Moto is safer than a Honda. No, <laughs> they might be dog shit. I don't know. Maybe they're so <laughs> they might, bad. They might have, they might have, had, they might have made brakes so bad. That, yeah, they have to put two on. Like, oh, well, that, shit, is, that, that is one thing to poor. say. Let's put two on. That's one thing to say that the reason a lot of these bikes are so cheap, and this is, this is probably one of the more expensive Lex Motos. Some of their bikes are just over a thousand pounds, which is insane because you can buy used bikes for the exact same price. They're 10 years old. But mm -hmm. why are they so cheap? Well, they're, 
they're made with cheaper stuff. Exactly. Mm. That's this, what I mean. Like, I, I, I think the twin brake thing just throws me off. It just makes me feel a bit... Could they not just... Why isn't one sufficient? Like, Maybe one is sufficient for power. most bikes. Mm. Maybe too much power. I th- it must be a looks thing to make, because they don't look... When you, if you just a glance past when you weren't in the know, you'd think it was a really big bike. You'd think it'd be much bigger. You think it's six hundred. Some people even think that the CBR is a thousand. Like you know, the five hundred that we've got is a thousand. So, yeah, people probably think it's much bigger, especially with twin wavy discs. You might think it's even bigger. But hey. yeah, the um, one thing about one two fives, you know, who started out racing one two fives. In the MotoGP. Oh, I don't, but just quick. It has LED headlights. Anyway, carry on. Mark Marquez. And probably so did everybody else in the MotoGP. Did he actually start out on 125? Did he not start out on something smaller? Well, he, he probably did, but when I Wikipedia, he's, he's he, did, he did one he did like MotoGP one 125cc or something like that. I was yeah, trying to segue, quite... but I have no idea about the no, topic. No, really, that was a really good segue that I just fluffed up for you. But you he did was, really good. If people don't know who Mark Marquez is, he's the winner of the 2013, 14, 15, 17, 18, and 19 MotoGP, which makes Correct. you think, what happened in 2016? What happened in 2016? Yeah, well, he didn't win it. No, he, he did. 2015, he, he, he came third. Oh, I've got my facts wrong again. That's right, you're only Bloody off by facts. a year. Yeah, it's not so bad. Anyway... Please tell us. Please tell us about him. Some okay, well, recent news uh, has come about him. Y- yeah, okay. Uh, what I will tell you is that 2015 was actually won by a Jorge Lorenzo, followed by Valentino Rossi, and then Mark Marquez. Uh, yeah, I can tell you a bit about Marquez. <laughs> I, I might know, get Rossi a punch. Is... I might Rossi. get a punch when, when Georgie hears this, but she used to think that Marquez was his name. So his name was Mark, last name Ez. <laughs> George is your partner for people who aren't listening. Yeah, yeah. So it's Mark Mark Marquez. I thought that was really I thought it was quite I mean, cute, I'll be honest people, with you. I people who sweet. don't know, not people who aren't listening. If you aren't listening, yeah. you would never have heard it. <laughs> you so. wouldn't know. So yeah, so Mark Marquez, he has a brother called Alex Marquez. They both now race in MotoGP. He is a the best way I could describe his riding is he's literally riding like he's about to crash. And then sometimes does crash but then doesn't then manages to save it mid crash and then carries on riding. And last year he uh, crashed, came off, went onto the gravel, rode it like an absolute stud through the gravel, regained back into the race after going off. So I think he was second or he was leading and he went off quite early on to the race. And then he was way back in the pack. And in just in classic Marquez style, he just absolutely rode the bike, the nuts off of this bike, and was overtaking, making them look like they were going backwards. You think, how does he do it? He made, like, these aren't slow riders. These are, like, the, the cream of the crop. These are some of the top-level riders. And he was just passing them like they were pedestrians. It was utterly ridiculous. And then it was he was getting through the race, and he got up to about eighth place, or he was going for eighth. And uh, he took a spill on the same corner, like the back tyre let go. I think he had a high side and he he broke his collarbone um oh. he broke his humerus as well he, he did some damage anyway and then he tried to jump back out on the bike you know within a week of having surgery and 
yeah, no, no good. He went out for a test, complained of arm problems, and he's been sort of off recovering ever since. And it looked yeah. like he would be back. Um, there were some shots released only last week of him out testing on a Honda RC213VS, which is the cool sort of MotoGP bike that you know normal people like you or I could buy if we had a spare 100k lying around. He rides for Honda, doesn't he? He does ride for Honda, yeah, so he's a Honda rider. Um, is there a big discrepancy in MotoGP bikes like there is in, say, Formula One? A lot of people criticise Lewis Hamilton because his car is the best and people say oh well he only wins predominantly because his car is just so much better than everybody else's is that the same in in moto gp do people have superior bikes to others or mm. uh is it more of a skill based i tell you what, let me just let me just shelve that let me just finish what i was saying about marquez and then we'll go back to that so okay. uh marquez he was testing this you know ro- it was a road bike really but they do a racing version of it uh, he was testing that, so he wasn't on a full factory proper motor GP bike just yet. Um, but it looks like the decision has come from a review of his medical team that he's going to skip the first two races um, of this year. So that's just where he's at. Just obviously give him a bit more time to recover and get in that position. Because obviously, if he does a race and then he has an incident or an injury, that puts him out for an entire season. So you could play it safe, skip a couple of the first races, and then go back in and get an entire season of racing out of it hopefully so fingers crossed and i think it'd be really good to have him back in the sport because he's just an epic rider um but i suppose we'll just see how it goes and how his recovery is going so i wish him all the best but uh to to go with your question there so you're saying that our moto g p bikes like a pl- level playing field is that kind of what you're saying yeah. or is it like a formula one not really you've got good bikes and bad bikes and I suppose that's that's similar. I don't really watch Formula One. All I hear these days is it's kind of boring and just Lewis Hamilton wins everything. Yeah, um, I've watched Moto... one where he got a penalty and he had to wait for like two minutes or something like that. He had to wait off the track because he stormed off and got out on the pit lane and rode his scooter around. So he got a penalty, and um, which is weird. He always rides a little scooter around. Anyway, um, he then come back and won the race after he was like 10th or something. And I was like, how on earth? And he was just blowing all these cars out of the water. And I asked the knowledgeable uh, Formula One guy sitting next to me, he's like, yeah, it's just, his car is just insane. And that's basically, mm. that's basically it. It's just cars insane. Well, here's the interesting thing about Marquez. Mark Marquez. He, so his, the way he rides his bike and the way it's set up, if you were to put somebody else on his bike, they just would not go anywhere near as fast. It's something to do with the combination of him and that bike the way he rides it is literally like it's just about to crash all the time. And he just goes immensely fast on it. But if you were to go, right, uh, here's a, another really good rider. You ride it. They just wouldn't be able to. It's just so far off what everyone else kind of has their bike set up to. You think it's just his mindset of... Yeah. So if you if you take, take for example, <clears throat> like Honda last year didn't do particularly amazingly, I don't think, in the championship. Uh, they didn't obviously have Mark Marquez. They had Alex Marquez. I can't remember who else they had last year. Somebody else. Uh, okay, anyway, so I can't, I'll be honest, I cannot 100% mem- remember who took over from him. I just remember Alex Marquez, his brother came in and rode for the team. And I think he had, I think they had like wild cars and things like that uh, come in and just try and fill in the gaps for, you know, Honda and I'll be honest they didn't do particularly well because his bike is just so different and 
set up for him that it makes it really hard for anyone else to ride. You know, a Ducati is kind of categorically has the most power and maybe doesn't turn as well as other bikes, but it's the most powerful. Uh, I remember speaking at a, a meet and greet with Cal Crutchlow a couple of years back at the uh, Heref MotoGP. And he was saying that, so he was riding for Honda. He was riding for a, it wasn't a factory team, it was a satellite team, but it was, it's called LCR Honda, but it was technically backed by Honda, but it was, it wasn't a full factory HRC team. And he had a go on a Yamaha and he said, riding that Yamaha is so easy. You could ride it around smoking a cigar. He said, it's a dream. He said, the Honda is really, really hard work to go fast. So, you know, it's like, it's like different, um, you know, loads of different factors come into it and there's no clear standout winner as well, you know, from that. And if you look at uh, the relationship between say Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes, it's a really long going one. It's been going on for ages and they've, they've developed together. Look at Mark Marquez and Honda ever since he moved up into MotoGP, he's been with Honda. He might've been with them before that as well, but you know, he's had that relationship with that bike and developing it and having his input in it. And, you know, it's really all Mark, that bike. So, you know, he kind of suits it really well, whereas a lot of other riders will, you know, from year to year, they'll change and move around. And, you know, it, it probably takes a while to get that bike set up for them. So they don't re- if they're not at the team long enough, it doesn't really get much of a chance. Yeah, um, it's and, LCR, and actually, Honda and Repsol, yeah. Honda. I'll be honest, with Marquez out of the, out of the sort of the innings last year, you know, he was, he was only there for two races and then, that was it for the rest of the season. It was just an absolute mismatch of people who who were who were winning and and all that. It was incredible. The racing was all over the place. You know, Johan Mir won it. He actually only came first once, but he was so consistent throughout the entire season. You know, he just got enough points to win. Yes, Johan Mir from Suzuki again. Suzuki, you're quite a new team to MotoGP. I mean, they used to be in it, then they they left and they've come back. The bike's not particularly old so there's not a huge development time in it but you know they were able to get the consistency in and you know that shows alex rins third place last year um you know for the season again it was just consistency only came first once um take franco morbidelli who was second he's on a yamaha he's not even he's not a factory yamaha he's a satellite yamaha which is quite embarrassing for the factory yamaha team i i would suppose um but yeah he he won a few he won three times <clears throat> and again, just just did really well. He had a couple of sort of bad, um, you know, retired a few times and a couple of low low places. But you know, again, he did really well. So actually, the season was kind of all over the place, and it doesn't mean there was no clear rider and bike above all else. Yeah, just speaking on MotoGP, mm-hmm. the new season starts this weekend. It does, yes. I am a MotoGP are... novice. You are. Yep. You you follow MotoGP. Uh, we will be watching every race that goes on for this season, and we're going to give our uh, our feedback and input on the podcast from a novice perspective. And I will learn and grow, and you will give your hot take as a follower of the sport. Um, I would like to say yeah. this because the next episode of the podcast we would have watched the first race. I haven't seen anything from MotoGP other than one video where a bike comes off the track and nearly kills Rossi. Have you seen that one? Oh, yeah, that was last year. That was, 
Oh, whose bike was that? They basically had an incident and they went the bike went flipping through the air and it just it was just behind so it was just in front of Rossi. Yeah. And it was behind I can't remember who it was. Anyway, I'm gonna give my pick for the winner of this season. Was it Vinales? Right now. It was Vinales. You're gonna do a winner's pick. Never seen it before. You're gonna do winner's pick. Yeah. I'm, right, I'm hoping I'm not butchering his name. Takaki Nak- N- Nakakami. Nakagami. Takaki Nakagami. He's Elsia no, Honda. Takaki Nakagami. Exactly. Uh, LCR Honda, yeah. So that's that is a Honda team. It's backed by Honda, but it's not part of the factory team. So you can only run two bikes as a factory team. Yeah. So Honda have got a have got a second team called LCR Honda, and that's that's it. it used to also Cal Crutchlow used to also ride for LCR Honda. So yeah, Takaki Nakagami, he did. He was, I thought he did all right last season. Um, he was pretty consistent throughout all the races. And actually, there was a there was a time when he was leading, a, you know, a race that was really exciting. Um, only Japanese rider on the grid as well. Yeah, I've got the list of riders up in front of me, and I sent you over a link actually to a MotoGP fantasy league. And I saw his face, and I thought, you know what? He's my winner. He's my star. Give it going on to Kaki Nakagami. And I believe if you really him. wanted to get behind him, you can buy the Arai RX-7V race replica for Takaki Nakagami. We'll see how he does at the end of the season. Mm. If he I think comes it should, well. I think it, I think it should I be, a nice, be another nice, consistent season. But I hope he does get a bit more, bit more stuck in up the top. It'd be really good to see him, see him doing that. Um, but actually, so we're going to do a fantasy league. Is that open to everyone? Can we link that for everyone to get involved in that, or is it just we us? can? We can indeed. We can and make an open our, group. yeah, I will tell them at the end of the episode how they can sign up mainly because I don't have these details up right Should now. Should we do a prize at the end of the season for the most points? Uh, 100%. Alright, cool. We'll figure out a prize and do that then. We'll figure out a prize. Uh, however, we can hold myself accountable. We need to hold you accountable. Who will win by the end of the season? Who will win? That's interesting. Oh, I don't know because it's been a while since I've seen them all. Uh, I would really like Fabio Quattararo to win. Ah, Fabio Quattararo, monster he energy. Really sh- yeah, he was really strong in his first season, and he he's quite a strong rider. But last year, I don't know, he just kind of didn't gel. I don't think particularly well. He had a couple of really off races, but he had a good start to the season. He won the first two races. He won a race in the middle. It was kind of consistent, but then just had some like really bad, you know, unfortunate things happen. So. Uh, this year, I hope that he's, you know, it, it comes together much better for him. And I think if it all goes right, he'll be really strong. Good stuff. Anything else in the news? Mm, not in my news, my friend. We did have interesting custom, if you wanted to do that. or cause No, it's I thought it was really, I actually kind of thought it was boring. Yeah, okay. It's, I'll well, be like, okay, there, Roland Sands Designs released a 790 Duke. That was didn't look like a pointy Duke. It looked like a roundy, curvy, nicey scrambler thing. Go and look at the pictures. Job jobbed. Right, we'll cut that bit out <laughs> and we'll just uh, skip it right to my part right now. Three, two. So this is my segment on the bike, the podcast, Bike Shout Out of the Week. Bike Shout Out of the Week. Thank you very much for that nice intro. So today, this week, we have the Britain V1000. A no, you don't. Built 
We do indeed. No. Hand, no, we do. A hand-built motorcycle made for the track. That fits in nicely with our MotoGP. The Britain V1000 is probably one of my all-time favourite bikes. How did you well, know? Well, I, you know, I just did some digging, didn't I? Anyway, it's a few records, such as the fastest standing start mile, the fastest standing start kilometre, the fastest standing start quarter mile, and the fastest flying mile record, all under 1,000cc. It won many Battle of the Twins, as well as having the fastest top speed at the Isle of Man TT. It was one of the first motorbikes to use a large amount of carbon fibre in its construction and was described at the time as the most sophisticated and technical advanced motorcycle in the world. Only 10 of them were ever made, could be found in museums and motorcycle collections across the globe. Okay, I'm going to do a nerdy bit here. So, do you know why that's most amazing? Why that is so, so like all those things are incredible. All those things that it, that it has achieved is incredible. Do you know what yep. makes it even more incredible? What? It was built by that guy in his shed. In New Zealand? In New Zealand. So, yes, it was designed by John Britton, hence the name the Britton V1000. So it was named after him. And I'll be honest with you, I do geek out of this bike because I think it's utterly fantastic. You should, if you if you can find, there's some videos out on the internet of John Britton and him building the bike and he makes the entire thing in his shed. So the frame of it is really interesting. So it's got like these little spools on the side of the engine and then it's the carbon fiber toe. So he's not using carbon fiber as a weave. So, you know, you see people like making stuff with carbon fiber. It's like a net yeah. or a fabric. Yeah, and then they yeah. lay it down, they squish it. No, he used the actual fibre and used and wound that itself to make the frame. It's literally incredible. And the engine is a stressed member, but there isn't really a frame as such. You've got a frame on one side and then everything connects to the engine. So like the rear shock is actually at the front and all the linkages like is, is at the front of the engine and all the linkages go underneath. Incredible. Absolutely it's, um, incredible. Yeah, and obviously For a you've bike got that's you've made got... in a man's shed. Yeah, uh, and obviously it's, it doesn't it's... have conventional forks either. It's something that you'd think people would spend millions of pounds on designing and getting all these top guys no. to work on. No, just and a dude in the shed. It was oh, it was some guy from New Zealand in his shed. That was a terrible, yeah. terrible accent. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he made it and there's like there's a really cool video so he he made his own house as well he built his own house it's just the guy is the guy is absolutely phenomenal and you just need to go and do some research on it because it's fantastic i mean it looks great it's got a really cool blue and pink paint job with like blue ceramic coated pipes there were some other colors that they did as well but it just looks fucking incredible it's such a piece of a beautiful piece of engineering and you just seriously go and go and enjoy it if you like a bit of engineering so what if you like alan milliard if you haven't checked his youtube channel out you really need to um so yeah so unfortunately john Britton did pass away in 1995 um from from skin cancer which is pretty you know brutal it's always like i say isn't it the best ones go first you know imagine the technology that we had today if that if he was able to utilize that what he was doing back back then when he built this bike it, it is phenomenal. Probably had a big shed as well. It is a nice shed. Seriously, go and look up the videos. It is brilliant. I'm so glad you've picked this bike this week. I Literally, a smile has erupted across my face and I can't get rid of it. 
Well, as for every bike shout out of the week, they are bike shout out of the week. Thank you very much. They are there to inform you on a cool and interesting bike for you to go and research and look up for yourself if you like the sound of it and just find out something cool about a bike. I give you a little preview of what the bike is and you can make your mind up on whether or not you want to go and do some more investigating. Sweet. Well, thank you very much. So I'm going to just round off the last little bit of the show, and that is revealing the answer to last week's cryptic. And the week before. And the week before. Oh, yeah, you get them, mate. You get them. Yeah. So the cryptic. The question was, I'll remind you, is this is my horse. His name is Ian. He doesn't talk. So that was the question. The answer was former MotoGP rider, now officially under a four-year ban for substance abuse of some sort, Andrea Iannone. Ian, no, nay. That was a clap for everybody who got it right. doesn't talk because horse is nay. Ian, no, nay. You're welcome. Uh, Is that the guy who had a substance ban and then he went back to try and appeal it and they give him a bigger ban? Yeah, so he had an 18-month <laughs> ban and then tried to appeal it and got a four-year ban. What, what a donkey. Uh, yeah. I mean... He's a horse. It, He's a donkey. Of course. I mean, we don't really know exactly what happened, I suppose. But it's just like, if you knew you did it, why would you try and appeal it? Like he, I think his evidence was really shoddy as well. And it, you just think, oh, mate, like, come on. So, Yeah. yeah. So we have currently made it to the hour mark. I think Tom will have some editing to do because some pesky cats were getting in the way. Anyway, thank you for listening. Tell us what you think over on our Instagram, Weedy Good Times Podcast, or leave a review on iTunes with a comment on your answer. Oh, I've done it again. No, okay, all right. Or you can let us know in the review what your favourite motorcycle is. That would be good for us to know. You don't get a third go at that. You've just got to stick with it. Yeah, no worries. What's your name? Uh, I'm Kong. And I'm Tom. Ride safe and have a wheelie good time. Wheelie good time. Bye.